Ah, Grand Moth Tarkin, I am honored by your visit. Welcome to Grand Moff Talking Delicately Curated Long-Form Discussion of the Internationally Beloved Star Wars Saga, tailored to the modern fanatic, brought to you lovingly in weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your hosts, Riley and also Jake. Yo! That's how we talk on this podcast. Yo, we say yo all the time. I decided to say it a little quickly that time for no reason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I hope the listeners know that they're about to get into the most in-depth conversation about lightsabers they've ever heard in their lives. That's true. That's very true. And I mean, how many hours of research did you dump into this, Riley? Uh, I mean, I lost count around hour 230, somewhere Yeah, how many hours there. are there? Yeah. Really? Yeah. How many are there? Yeah. Total. I lost count at, you know, 0.5 hours. <laughs> it's hard to keep track. After that. Yeah, somewhere between 0.5 and 230, but here's the real is, here's the real backstory, Jake. I know you don't want me to say this. No, You're trying don't to keep do me it. from saying this, but I'm no. going to say it. Don't listen. Skip forward 15 seconds. We recorded a couple episodes a few weeks ago and one of them the audio got messed up really bad and uh, I just realized this yesterday and so since the episode is coming out today as we record this, we needed to do something. So we thought we'd talk about lightsabers. And thankfully, we had already done all this research. Thankfully. Just for Unrelated. our own personal yeah. education. So it worked out well. That it's called education. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, Riley, yeah. how many – Final Fantasy games have you beaten in the last uh, couple weeks? Uh, uh, z- uh, zero. Yeah. How about you? I, I think I'm. I think I'm at three. Oh, okay. I. This is a total sidebar, but I. Uh, I was sick last night, so I was up and not really sleeping. I just beat Final Fantasy 13 2 Beat thirteen earlier. I also beat Final Fantasy seven. And 15 a month or two ago. So I'm just wow, blitzing, blitzballing this. Are they ever going to get reference? Are they ever going to get to that last one? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like, oh, Final Fantasy, but wait, there's one more. Like, come on. Yeah. There's got to be it's a one last of those. One. Yeah, that's how they get you every time. They're like, no, for, for real, this is the final one. Yeah, we'll see if they ever get there. Freaking get you 15 times in a couple tactics and Advent Children's. How dare you know them? It's like the, those new Super Mario Brothers games. You're like, every time I go to the store, I see it and I buy it because I'm like, oh, okay, it's, oh, it's new, new Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. 15,000 copies later. Yeah, you're like, this one I got is the, new? I got the same DS cartridge stacked oh, up in a warehouse somewhere. That's Life is tough. Life is really tough. Um, but you know what's really tough is a good lightsaber. <laughs> sure. Really tough. <laughs> The yeah. toughest material there is. Good, good hey, you point. Know you know it's really tough paying for one at Galaxy's Edge. Now listen, this is topical, like that ointment that my doctor makes me use on my feet, hmm. and uh, not really, but that uh, Galaxy's Edge man, they're gonna make a couple bucks off of that yeah. thing. I think 
I don't think it, I'll be if I ever get to go. I don't think I'll be making a lightsaber. Oh, I think if I'm going to go, I'm going to ensure that I have saved up the most money I've ever had in my life, <laughs> and so I can blow it all on lightsabers and droid building. Now, see, and, if they let me build a blaster, I'd be all over that. <laughs> That's what I want. A blast now. I don't think they're going to let that happen. Probably not. Hey, come build a gun at Disney. <laughs> I don't think so. But I, you know what they should do, though, is give you one of those like blaster hilts to the lightsaber like uh, old blue hair had. In oh, Red I hate that one, though. I don't like it. Why am I blanking on Taylor Gray? Ezra. <laughs> I, mean, Ezra. I like how we you remember Taylor Gray. Issue. We had a few opposite, like an opposite issue that a couple episodes back. Where you couldn't think couldn't of think of a basic Taylor name. Gray, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, lightsabers. So we're talking about lightsabers. We're going to eventually rank lightsaber fights because oh yeah, that's just the coolest thing you can do. That's what gets the clicks. That's what we need those clicks so bad. <laughs> we don't. If people listen to the podcast, that's fine. But we wanted to click on it mostly. Yeah, and because also next week is our one hundredth episode, and. That was oh, like our backup, what? and we can't release it this week because then it would be our 99th episode. And Although, <laughs> part it would have been the most. <laughs> that would have been the most Grand Moff talking thing if we had released episode 100 at 99. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's also something, though, that's going to require a fair bit of work because there's going to be clips and there's going to be. And mm-hmm. it's going to be a treat for the fans. Great. So stick around at least for one more 30 episode. people are going to love this episode. Yeah, and uh, let's let's get started here yeah. by talking about the, the good old days. Not really, but the, the old canon. Because uh, I feel like lightsabers were handled a little differently in terms of the mythology of old canon. Mm-hmm. Am I right about that? I think, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, crystals were very, like, lightsabers were not only kyber crystals like you could have lots of different crystals in a lightsaber um oh which is one difference and like the way the color was handled especially i'm thinking of like kotor's where things really opened up because george from the beginning was like there's blue and there's red and that's it yeah and then they ran into some complications in uh, Return of the Jedi, and they're like, there's green, and there's blue, and there's red, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and the complication was that on the sandbars, the blue sky yeah. and Luke's blue lightsaber kind of melded together, so you couldn't really see it very well, so they changed the color. Is that the way it worked? Am yeah, I, right about that? I, I think it was that, and there was also a little bit of um, – someone said at some point, they're like, well – wasn't the lightsaber destroyed? How will people know that he built a new one? And so their solution to that was to make it green, which also helped with the sail barge scene. So it's just Even like... Even then, they yeah. were catering to plot holes yep, fans. Pretty much. Fans of plot holes. Yeah. And then, you know, the prequels came along and they added purple in because Sam Jackson wanted a purple lightsaber pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, though, because really up until that point in the movies... There was not another color other than red, blue, and green. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the books, before the prequels, you had all kinds of colors. There was just everything. There was orange in like video games and stuff. There was any color you could think of. 
Um, Leia had a yellow lightsaber? Yeah, Leia had a yellow one, which they eventually added in uh, Clone Wars, which is still canon. Um, and who who has the silver one? That is our, that's your boy, Corin Horn, has a silver lightsaber. <laughs> I should have known. He should have known. The greatest character ever. You the know it kid. because the author is constantly telling you. <laughs> that's how you know you have a great character. <laughs> yeah. when you get hit in the head with it constantly. Yeah. Um, one thing, I, I remembered bringing this up on one of the Young Jedi Knights episodes, so I, I went to my little library shelf, that's what I call a bookshelf, <laughs> and I uh, grabbed this uh, Crisis at Crystal Reef, Young Jedi Knights Crisis at Crystal Reef, because I like underlined stuff and take notes, it was easy to find, because I remember being struck by how weird lightsabers were in this book, it was my first exposure to it. Uh, Zek was once a dark Jedi, uh, has now converted to being a light Jedi. And uh, he said that he had to really take his time building his lightsaber. And he said, um, there was always a chance that I might build a faulty weapon and I'd have to throw it away and start all over. Worse, I thought maybe the wrong kind of blade might draw me back toward the dark side. Ooh, that's interesting. So, yeah, so I think that there is almost a sentience to it. Like, yeah, like you the are, crystals there, there were, a, yeah. There was a sentience to the crystal, which I think was was kind of what George wanted, judging by his original intention for them in Splinter of the Mind's Eye, where it was a force-enhancing Pokemon item that you could attach to your main character. I, I've always liked in the um, in the old canon... In Legends, it was like building your lightsaber was very much a personal thing. Like you have Tinel Ka also in the Young Jedi series who would... The rancor tooth. Yeah, she had game. like a rancor tooth because that was, you know, something that meant something to her. And I think you lose a lot she of loves that. dentistry. That's what it is. She, she, she really wanted to be a Jedi dentist, so that's why she <laughs> yeah. has that. But you kind of lose something Gentist. when you make the... Um, when you make the lightsaber uh, or when you make the Jedi um, so impersonal and like afraid of their own past and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Because then you get the Clone Wars episode where I, I like the episode. It's a fun episode where you have the kids finding their crystals um, with like, I think Yoda leads them there on, on that planet. Is it Ilum? Do you remember the name of the planet? Yeah, it's Ilum. Okay, that's what I thought because that's an old. That's where they planet. go and get the Kyber crystals. Yeah, which that's a that's a fun episode with the younglings doing that. But then the episode yeah. that follows that is them building their lightsabers, and they just go to this ship where there's a robot who like. I mean, they're pretty much at like build a bear or build a lightsaber, like at Disney <laughs> We're World. We're at Galaxy's Edge, buddy. Seriously, it's just a prequel to Galaxy's Edge where they pull open all these drawers and like, oh, I want this part and I want this part, and it doesn't mean anything. Uh, and I kind of like yeah. the Legends way of like your lightsaber is your life, like they say in Attack of the Clones. It is a part of you as a Jedi. It's your life. <laughs> yeah. You know what sold me on going to Galaxy's Edge and building a lightsaber? What? You can get a Rancor Tooth lightsaber blade or lightsaber hilt. <sighs> All right. Well, that's pretty dang cool. Is that the best? That's really the best. What a deep cut. Oh, my goodness. Tentacle fans high in the ranks. I'm so mad I'm not there right now. 
think of all the money we could be losing on toys. <laughs> like true. On I things don't. that we'll we'll take home <sighs> and we'll realize I don't actually have any room for this anywhere. It's <laughs> gonna go, go awkwardly in a closet. Yeah. Every time you look at it, you'd be like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I spent two hundred dollars on that. <laughs> <laughs> you build a droid and, and you put that in your closet too, and you're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. But I'm also absolutely going to build a lightsaber. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go there. Um, yeah. So there was a sentience. And I, I agree with your sentiment that there was a more personal journey to building the lightsaber. And, and that was the one deleted scene of uh, Return of the Jedi that I, I feel like now that I'm talking about this, I, I kind of wish it was in the movie. Mm-hmm. Luke is in obi-wan's hut building his lightsaber yeah which is a very personal place for him that's where he got his first lightsaber it's where he learned about the force so i I hadn't thought about it as being personal for luke to build that green one but that's i swear um kylo's lightsaber was always so interesting to me in the sequels because he did it and he did a bad job Um, but it's so reflective of his personality yeah it really is and it's perfect. And I was always a little disappointed that Ray had Luke's lightsaber, or Anakin's lightsaber, I guess. Um, because yeah. I wanted her, and, and I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't it seem like she's rebuilt that one or something in the in the trailer? That's what we're being told. I wonder, yeah. I, I have a suspicion that when we go to the movies and she ignites that lightsaber, that same scene that we saw in the trailer, it'll be like, you know, green or something. Like, yeah. I, I feel like that's, you know, adding Thor's tie back into the trailers for Ragnarok or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they're trying to hide something. I always, yeah, I would, I would like for Ray to have a more personal, cause, cause she is a new Jedi. She doesn't have to be the, the impersonal, uh, stoic thing that the, the the jedi order was she can have a little more fun she can build something out of a box of scraps because she <laughs> grew up on jakku <laughs> build a sand lightsaber i don't know <laughs> but what i what i will say i like about um ray having the skywalker lightsaber is and i think there's a reason why one of the stupid uh fan titles that was circling around episode nine was like heir to the legacy or something like that. I do like the, the idea that this lightsaber that was used for darkness and then for light and was thrown away. Like I like that the saber that the Skywalkers held is now being inherited to a new generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's something profound about that. And we wouldn't get the greatest thing ever, which is Ray finding it in a treasure chest. Yeah. Like it's a, like she's in a Zelda game. Oh, that was just, if we're talking about great images of lightsabers in movies, that is a great, that image. was when I just like, I was already loving the force awakens, but oh, I was so excited when she was being called. Yeah. Called down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the little vision. It calls to you. <laughs> that was a great Lupita. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's the pilot from Lost. Great Lupita. Lupita. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke for five people, but it was good. I'm sure, they I loved promise. it. Yeah, yeah, they loved it. Um, was there a little bit of in old canon that kind of only Force 
users could wield lightsabers because it was like you are controlling a force of some kind. Yeah, a little bit of that. Um, you know, that it was just always implied that like I, I never really I never read anywhere in a in an official Lucasfilm property that like, oh, only Jedi can use this because you know, everyone else will chop their arms off because they're everyone except yeah. the Jedi is an idiot. But but there definitely was a connection. Like I'm pretty sure there was a bounty hunter in like a comic book or something that had like killed a Jedi and used his lightsaber. But then, you know, you think about like I, I always hated the fact that like, oh no, only Jedi could use this. When you have like General Grievous right there, like there's nothing yeah. keeping a robot from being able to wield a lightsaber. It's but just, he was trained in your Jedi arts by Count Dooku. Yeah, sure. But he doesn't have the force. Like, And also, he says he was trained, but all he does is swirl his hand around. <laughs> he just spins it around. Joint. I could spin it around if I had a robotic joint. I hook it up to a fan blade. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I like the more uh like mythological explanation for lightsabers a little better um the only thing that i could think of was the uh trial of the dark saber episode of rebels mm -hmm. which is not a lightsaber it's specifically called a dark saber yeah but that is like sabine says something about it being like heavy and kanan says something to the effect of it's because you are controlling an energy force it's not just a blade mm. that was specifically applying to that I don't, you're you're right i was trying to look up before this recording if there was anything in writing about only jedi or sith can use a lightsaber because of kyber crystals or the force or whatever but i, I don't think so I, I don't think it's like a restriction i just think it's like nobody else is really effective with that when in a world of well i mean you look at our world nobody takes swords into warfare anymore. Like it just, yeah, not a lot of people just carry around samurai swords. No, once, once the gun was invented, it, it kind of like phased out the usefulness of a sword. And I think the same is kind of true of the, of the star Wars universe. Uh, once blasters are there, your average person isn't going to pick up a lightsaber, even though it can deflect blaster bolts. Cause things like that are what you need the force to guide you with doing. And, I think it's just kind of, you know, if you don't have that connection that the Jedi and the Sith have, it's just not going to be an effective weapon. Not that anyone else can't do it, but. I never thought of that, that once the, the invention of blasters and whatever the Star Wars equivalent of the Industrial Revolution was, right. probably involving Zerka Industries. Probably. Uh, <laughs> it's that, you know, nobody needed lightsabers anymore. And then it became a lost art. Which is why Obi Wan, you know, calls it a, you know, a, a weapon from a more civilized age, right? Where we cut each other's heads off and didn't shoot yeah. each other. And then he very, in a very civilized manner, cuts <laughs> off a man's arm in the movie, and it bleeds everywhere. <laughs> it's very civilized. Yeah. No, but what? I like that about the Old Republic era is you run into a lot of enemies who use what are called vibro blades. Um, oh yeah. Which are basically like swords that vibrate really quickly. Uh, yeah. And so, like, like the flash. in like what like the flash like the flash exactly like the flash or like those um vibrating knives you use to cut like turkey well yeah <laughs> well old dragon boss a has a vibro knife blade thing yes that's right he does um 
and it's like an artifact by the time solos around but in the old republic yeah. era they were more common and people would use them all the time uh but then you know by the time you get to you know the original trilogy things like that are just not useful anymore very true the the uh, the thing that stuck out of my mind the only other like weird lightsaber thing from old canon that we discussed on our show is is in splinter the mind's eye when luke uses his lightsaber to pick a lock by extending it only an inch out of the <laughs> hilt so yeah. it's just like a little like uh, push pop comes out <laughs> Which is insane that you would have that much control over how much the blade extends. They were, that is, they were very much used as like a weird plot device in several. Because I remember another book. It might have been one of the New Jedi Order books, wasn't it? Where somebody like, no problem. Ex, I think Corrin Horn like extended his blade so that it was longer than normal, like in a fight You're with right. the advantage. That's how he beat the guy. Yeah, in the duel and that book that we didn't like that much. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of glad stuff like that has never made it to the big screen. Like, I don't want to see Qui Gon turn a dial on his lightsaber and it suddenly, you know, become twenty feet long. <laughs> I'm imagining like, uh, you know, a scene uh, like in Batman Begins when they're sword fighting and then he, you know, he holds the sword up to Liam Neeson's neck and says, "Yield." But then he like presses a button and the sword extends out and just like stabs him in the neck anyway. Oh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that is just a concept that would look so visually ridiculous. It would. And yet they they planned on putting it on American television. Well, thank Splinter goodness. Splinter of the Mind's Eye had, had its way. Thank goodness they never did. A lot of cool kinds of lightsabers have never really made it to film, though. Like the aforementioned uh, blaster uh, lightsaber or like the rifle lightsaber type thing. But I'm, I'm truly shocked we've met... We've, not had more than one double-bladed lightsaber. Isn't that weird? Everybody just has assumed that Ray will eventually have one, and gosh darn it, I, I, I really want it to happen. I mean, it makes sense. You introduce her, you know, um, being like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not adequate. That's not the word I'm looking for. She's like good at using a oh, staff. She's, she's adept at using. Adept. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah, just think of Johnny. Johnny adept at using yeah. a sword. Yeah, <laughs> or a, a and staff she still I mean. carries that thing around with her. Right. That's what she like was kind of fighting with in the trailer for Return of the Skywalker. What's it called? Rise, rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. Rise I don't of like Skywalker. That I have another R word to mix up with. I know. Like, Revenge and Return. I, I still call it Revenge of the Jedi and Return of the Sith. Well, and now because this now, is a basic podcast you're listening to, and it's also confusing because we've got R O T S and we've got T R O S. Oh, if you're gonna Tross, yeah, acronym acronym them. Yeah, I've heard of Albatross, but Jessica Alba in the Rise of Skywalker. Wow, Albatross. There's something there. There's something there. Is that a tweet? Let's work on that after the podcast. <laughs> we'll draft it up. Okay. In new canon, I feel like you do get some, like you said, some good stuff like in Clone Wars and Rebels and like the Ahsoka book and stuff about mm. lightsabers. But you just, in the new movies, well, you never see the, the Jedi making their lightsabers in the prequels. No. Uh, 
And in the sequels, the only lightsabers that we know to exist are Kylo's that he made. He did a bad job. Mm-hmm. And Ray that she inherited. Yeah. Yeah, That's those are the only ones crazy, we've, we've seen. They're all gone. Where did they all go? I don't know. I guess, you know, is it, I mean, is it possible we'll see more from the uh, Knights of Ren? Oh, yeah, they probably have. Some of them will probably have. Well, they have those big, crazy weapons. Because like in the Vanity Fair pictures they released. Yeah, that's true. In the force back from Force Awakens, they have these like big, crazy Final Fantasy weapons Mm -hmm. that don't look like lightsabers at all. I wonder if like uh, and there's also Luke's lightsaber is out there somewhere. His green one has got to be somewhere. Unless how infuriating! But how uh, infuriating that is that the one issue with the end of the Last Jedi that he doesn't have the green lightsaber? I mean, unless it's a plot point in this one, unless she finds it somewhere or who knows, finds the crystal. I guess it was just a fun way to nod to the fact that he was a projection. Yeah, and it was more. It was more like him coming full circle to the beginning of his journey where he had the blue lightsaber. You know what? That kind of thought. is interesting, but I, I'm a fanboy and I want to see you the see color the green. green on a stick. <laughs> I want to see green. I want to see the color green. Honestly, with the way with the framing of that scene, I could very easily see them saying, "You know what? This just looks better with blue against the red." You know, it could have been oh, like a stylistic right. choice more than anything. Because green and red don't look good together. They don't look great together, and with the like the lighting of that scene and the the white and the red and I don't know blue. Yeah, you're not wrong better. about that. That that they might have had a uh, Audra situation with the color of the sky and the blue lights. It's possible. Yeah, these I, are the I, things we dig up on this podcast. I do hope we get more. Like, I want more variety in the future because so far in like in in new canon we have. If you're taking into account like all the shows and stuff, you have purple, you have white, you have yellow. All of them appear in like Rebels or Clone Wars. Right, yeah. But like in main films, we've still we haven't gotten that many weird colors, and I was just that was always one of my favorite things about playing an old game. Like even um, every time I played through the Jedi Outcast game, oh which yeah, we're gonna talk about soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would use the cheat where I could change. You could change your lightsaber to color, lightsaber color to whatever you wanted. Yeah, that's so right. I would always change it to like purple or green or something because you know blue is boring because you always had blue. Yeah, so blue I just miss colors. I um in the aftermath series they do mention like a black market where you can buy like old oh, yeah. Jedi lightsabers. I forgot about that. I don't we know if talk it was about that. Those. I don't know if it was like that cult of Darth Vader people, but it definitely in one of the interviews that came up. Yeah, I remember that. And didn't like Castrofo, whatever that guy's name is from Bloodline, he had a bunch of like imp- Imperial artifacts. He might add a lightsaber or something. I don't it's know. possible. There could be some. I mean, Sidious had a, a couple that he never used after uh, Revenge of the Sith, but, you know, yeah, there's a couple true. there hanging around. You know, this is just interesting stuff. I, I hope we see more colors. The aforementioned green, for example. Yes. Give me a green saber, please. What what color would you want Ray's lightsaber to be? 
I just like in like instinctually, I want to say purple. I just think she would look really cool with a purple lightsaber. It would look cool. The purple and the red, I think, is good. Uh, yeah, that would look the green and really red, good. contrasting. Yeah. Like if they're fighting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't really have a good answer for that because when you think of what the main protagonist lightsaber color should be it it is hard to say that it's not blue or green I know. blue or green my i guess my if i had to pick a reason behind was, why i wanted to white like a circus. well that's what i was going to kind of go with with purple white would work as well but like if we want to accept the the canon that um which i don't know if it is in new canon but in old canon the reason mace's lightsaber was purple was because he kind of drew on both sides of the force um, oh yeah while he was yeah. doing things and you know if we here's my thing after our master and apprentice episode where we're talking about the the light and the dark and how a true balance means that there will always be light and there will always be dark like what if the rise of skywalker ends with ray just kind of being in the middle not a gray jedi but like someone who is comfortable using the dark side of her personality and the light side of her personality. And that's like, comes out reflected in her either white or purple lightsaber. That'd be sweet. Maybe we see her use some force lightning. Maybe. I mean, that's why not again, going back to outcast. Like that was one of my favorite things is that you could, (laughs) the band outcast, not Jedi outcast. I would love, I love that Andre 3000 could use force healing and he could use lightning at the same time. (laughs) Yes. Um, Should we rank these things? We rank these. Yeah. Let's rank some stuff. Yeah. We're not ranking lights. We're ranking fives. Okay. And, uh, I think we should do this the way we did it in the episode you haven't heard yet, which is episode 100. (laughs) Um, And we'll go through our list, but we won't talk about it until we have both named a film. Like, and if you have something on there that I don't have, then we'll we'll talk. Okay. All right. It'll make sense as we go along. It'll make sense. Okay. We'll start at number five. Number five. You go first. You go first. Who talks first? You talk. <laughs> I will talk first. Number five, Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. Let's talk about it because it's on my list. No, wait. We don't oh, talk no, no. about so it. No, no, no. That means we, we won't talk about it until we, we get to reach. Okay. It's on my list, but it's not at number five. Okay. My number five, <laughs> Duel of the Fates. We're not going to talk about it yet. Okay. okay. All right. Number four, I have... Maul versus Obi-Wan in Rebels. Okay, that is on my list, but we can't talk about it yet. <laughs> Ooh, the tension. Here we go. I've got one that I'm I'm sure we're going to talk about, number four here. All right. Qui-Gon versus Darth Maul in, uh, on Tatooine in Phantom Menace. Whoa. We're going to talk about it because I did not it. have that on my list. I figured you wouldn't have that on your list, but I have, I've oh, been on I record have, saying this is my favorite uh, lightsaber fight in the Phantom Menace. It is a goodie. It's a goodie. It's a shorty but goodie. Um, I love the the tension as the fight is like approaching, and you have Qui Gon and Anakin running, and Anakin's not really sure why, but Qui Gon is sure that something is after them. Um, yeah. The Anakin drop, classic. 
line. <laughs> classic line. <laughs> he says Anakin. The Anakin dropped. dropped classic line. Classic line. Uh, You're right. There's a lot of tension because there's like the ship is taking off without him, and the mm-hmm. uh, sand is being swirled up and everything. Yeah. And and this is the first time. Right. This is the first time that they have encountered a Sith for like millennia. Yeah. This is it. Qui Gon is the first living Jedi to fight a Sith. Um, because when they get back on the ship, like they say, "What was that?" And Qui Gon's like, "I'm not sure." Like he yeah. doesn't even know. Yeah, because the the Sith have Who been that guy? the Sith have been gone since before Yoda was alive. Like they're just not around anymore. Yeah. So it's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. And I love that this is the, this is the first encounter and it just, you can see it's kind of foreshadowing of the end of the movie because the fight lasts what, like less than a minute, probably. Yeah, probably. And Qui-Gon is just completely wiped and Maul is not. Yeah, you're Maul right. Maul is, you know, the ship flies away and Maul like just turns his lightsaber off and he's standing there. He's still in his like heavy black robes and it just wasn't a challenge yeah. for him at all. And he didn't even really pull out the, the second blade. Yeah, really good shot of him too. Like as the ship's flying away and you see him from behind with his mm-hmm. robe and it's great. Yeah, I never thought about that. Like Qui-Gon is exhausted by that fight. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what just happened. I'm tired <laughs> and I'm old. Because this, you, uh, yeah, that's great. You think of Maul; he's been literally training for this his whole life. This is his singular purpose: is to fight Jedi, and the Jedi yeah. have just been kind of sitting back, you know, handling trade disputes and doing whatever yeah. else. Like they, they obviously Maul was raised to do two things: yeah, fight Jedi <laughs> and hand out lollipops. <laughs> and he's all out of lollipops at that point in the movie. Yeah, I don't think we ever canonically saw the lollipops. I wish I hopefully we'll get a spinoff someday. <laughs> Molly pops. Oh boy. There it is. Tweet it. That's a tweet. tweet that's a tweet. Um, be a tweet. Yeah. So that, that fight has always, and it's always seemed um, slightly less choreographed than the other fights in the movie. It, it, it looks yeah, more it like, it's like my guy's really trying to keep up with what's happening. Yeah. It's more of a visceral fight than the, like obviously the duel of the fates is one of the best choreographed fight scenes. Of all time, probably, but it's right, yeah. but it is it is clearly choreographed. Like it still looks good, but um, that fight to me on Tatooine feels a little more visceral and chaotic, and I've always loved it. Yeah, that's a really good one, and it's set to Qui Gon's theme, which is a dope yes. track. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's really great. Good yeah. deal. That was your number four. That was my number four. What's your number three? Pretty hot. Number three is Tolj, TLJ, the throne room fight. Yeah. Some would assert this is not a lightsaber fight, and those people are ridiculous because people people are are literally fighting with lightsabers. Yep. This is my number three, so we can talk about it. That's your number three? Yeah. Boy, simpatico. Simpatico, buddy. That's nice. It was honestly yeah. like what's crazy about my top three is that this could have been three or it could have been one. Like I initially put this as number one. I was like, ah, yeah, hang on. It's tough. Me, you got to get some seniority points before you just pop up the number one. Mm-hmm. It is hard to put it up because it is it's so cool. But I just talked a bunch. So you talk about it. So The Last Jedi, uh, it does not. It, it is very interesting with the way it handles duels because – we don't have a traditional lightsaber fight. Mm-hmm. We have 
really the first duel between two Force users is when Ray and Luke are fighting, and he is just like using like a car antenna and just like <laughs> smacking around and like yep. is just like clearly toying with her, <laughs> which is amazing. And then it she is. cheats and like pulls a lightsaber, and you get the great shot of him falling and using the Force to break his fall, like. <sighs> God, that movie Which is, is just, so good. I might have to watch it. He's so that good. Today. I was just thinking, I, sometimes I'll think of that scene in my head where he falls and stops with the force. And I was like, I just have always thought about that. Like, yeah. why don't they stop with the force? Ryan Johnson figured it out. So that's a really non traditional fight. It's more like a swashbuckling pirate thing that happens. Mm-hmm. And they're not even really using lightsabers. And then there's this throne room fight, which is my number three. And then there's the, fu- the final confrontation between Kylo and Luke. Is, is not traditional in the fact that Luke is I, I, a force projection. I don't think you ever see two lightsabers clash in The Last Jedi. If you don't count what the Praetorian Guards have as lightsabers. Right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, two, that, yeah so I think, I think, yeah, it's crazy. That's why I think some people don't consider it to be a real lightsaber fight, but... There are two lightsabers what? there, so I'm counting it. I'll tell you what's real. This finger I'm showing in your face. Uh... so it's a really really good fight it is also very choreographed it is yeah um weird people that hate this movie will point out the fact that like if you pause it and zoom in and enhance like an episode of 24 in the background there's like one second of one guy's arm like phasing through somebody like yeah and this is is evidence that the movie is lazy and bad it's almost like movies aren't made to be watched one frame at a time yeah. Now listen, we were all familiar with every frame of painting, <laughs> but every frame a pausing? No. Oh, oh boy. I <laughs> yeah, I would agree that this is a great fight, and it is the first time I think we've ever seen film a dark side user and a light side user yeah, fighting with together. each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and, and that moment still is. This fight for me has the um, has the awesome choreography, but it also has the emotional impact that a fight needs to keep you invested. Uh, yeah. Because we've said it before, but like that moment, I went into the Last Jedi with no sympathy for Kylo Ren at all, and I was going to be mad if they tried to switch him back to the light. Uh, yeah. And in that moment. <laughs> when he pulls the lightsaber and Ray picks it up, Snoke's dead, and they turn back to back. I'm like, oh, okay, wait, yeah, I'm actually on board if he decided yeah. to switch sides. So the emotional impact that fight has is what makes it so great for me because I like it actually changed my mind about what I wanted to happen in the movie because of how cool it was. Yeah, I think that's how everybody felt. I think everybody was like, oh my God, reaches his hand out to ray you're like this could happen and Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be totally mad like yeah it is a really it's an eye-opening scene it really really changes how you feel about kylo oh it does you can see how he could have been a great jedi (sighs) adds to the tragedy of of kylo ren it's just very very good and it's just a really different fight in terms of the way they're fighting and the kind of enemies that they're fighting mm-hmm. who all have really bananas weapons and they all die in really brutal fashion. They like do. one gets like shoved into like a propeller thing and like it's sliced up and the, like the final 
money shot of Kylo igniting the lightsaber in the guy's head. Ugh. And it's like so visually not. interesting with the, you know, when they cut the red screen and it catches Always on fire. fire. And, oh yeah. my God. Ugh. How great is that? That movie rules. Also, oh, it's so good. Also, a, a good reminder that you can't trust anything you see in trailers because the way they cut it in the trailer for Last Jedi was they showed like the burning wreckage of the Jedi Temple. And then they show like Luke's hand coming out of the rubble, all of which is a flashback, which you don't yeah. know. And then they cut to what looks like the same scene because there's fire and ash falling. But it's, you know, Kylo and Rey fighting on this ship. So it's just a PSA. It is. That lightsaber might be a different color, guys. Oh, man. I just kind of want to go watch The Last Jedi now. It might happen. It, it might, might happen, happen here in my house. No telling. Yeah. Um, so that was both of our number three. Yeah. Well. Number two. Number, number two. Ahead. My number two is Vampire Strikes Back. Mm, that one did not make it on my list. It was close. Well, that, right. means you're, that means I think I know what you're... Wait, what? I feel like there's... Yeah, my list is weird. Numbers. My list is weird. Okay. I'm All doing right. the math on my head and I'm confused. So you're, but... you're number two. Let's talk yeah. about it. Empire. Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. uh, is another... I don't know. When you think about it, there's very few what one would consider to be like traditional lightsaber fights in Star Wars. Like, there's really... The prequels kind of codified what a traditional lightsaber fight is. Because this is really weird in that it is the hero just losing constantly the entire time and then it ends in tragedy. Yeah. The first movie, the hero didn't even fight in a lightsaber fight. It's time to the third one where he fights and has like a moral victory. But it wasn't like a guaranteed thing that you would get a fight between our heroes and the protagonist until the prequels. Right, exactly. So the emotion of this scene is what makes it really interesting. I mean, we we just did our Empire commentary. The visuals are so magnificent in mm. this scene. Just whatever this area is they're fighting in, uh, with that window, you do see Luke using his Jedi journey. He jumps really high. And then you see Vader throwing things without even lifting a finger. Oh, it's so cool. It's and then it ends and it ends in like a really scary way where he's, you just realize how Luke is completely overpowered. Yeah. All of a sudden, no all of a sudden Vader is just like done playing with him. Yeah. It's, it is kind of what happens in, uh, the force awakens with Kylo and Finn where you can tell if Kylo is just kind of toying with Finn and then mm-hmm. Finn gets in one good shot. And then he's like, nah, I'm just going to rip your spine open with a lightsaber. Yep. Um, I'm changing my list. I'm putting this one at number five, and I'm getting rid of Duel of the Fates. That's what I should have done. <laughs> wow, I don't like that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's what happened. This fight is so good again because it, it has the emotional stakes, um, and it is just it's so. Um, I just recently, as as in yesterday, rewatched all of the Lord of the Rings movies. And that's a good Saturday. It was a good Saturday. And those movies are so slow. And I mean oh, that in man. the best way possible. Like, yeah, yeah. They are just very um, deliberate with all of their choices. They linger on a lot of stuff. 
And I think that's what I love about uh, not just like Empire to me feels a lot like that, but especially this fight. It's not like an action packed um, fight, but it's yes. very slow. It's very deliberate. You can clearly see everything that's happening, which I think is a hallmark of Star Wars. Even even in the prequels, there's not oh, outside yeah. of like Yoda, maybe an attack of the clones. There's not a whole lot of stuff that's hard to see. Um, I've always enjoyed yeah, that so, about Star Wars. It's all very clear. Yeah, Lucas is not a shaky cam guy. No, no. So I, I, but I just this fight is just so pretty. It's just a pretty thing to look at. It is, and I mean, not to constantly bring up Last Jedi backlash and why those people are uh, objectively oh. wrong using facts and science, mm-hmm. biology, logic, and reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire movie we are led to believe okay luke is training with a master jedi uh this is going to end in him facing down darth vader and obviously saving the day maybe darth vader gets away or something he did in the first movie Mm -hmm. but movie knowledge would lead us to believe that the entire movie is leading towards a successful confrontation uh when in reality the whole movie much like the last jedi ends in complete failure by everybody like Han gets betrayed, turns into Carbonite, and Luke doesn't complete his training, loses to Vader, loses a hand, and uh, it's just sad. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> it's the, sad. The movie ends in in tragedy. It's not a triumphant ending. Yeah. And now it's kind of a cliche to do that almost because Empire made it a thing. Yep. Now the three act structure is basically star wars like yeah, the dark the dark middle chapter is yeah. just like given mm-hmm. every time there's a second movie like well this is our empire this is the dark middle chapter yep yeah give me a light middle chapter yeah for once give me a dark beginning a dark ending but make that middle chapter really light <laughs> you know what that's kind of like the hobbit movies well that's true kind of is a lot of fun in that middle one <laughs> a lot of fun in that last one uh, it's hard to say if that's because the quality of the movie. Or... Well, you know. Anyway, it's hard to say. Um, I will just say this: I love the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> you love specifically the Lord of the Rings movies. I specifically love those. I'll go to bat for any of them, but obviously the Lord of the Rings ones are the yeah. best. They really uh, and... made me want a, a Peter Jackson Star Wars epic. If he can, if he could pull that off again, oh, man. that would be so good. I have to think that you know lucas will be interested i'm sure they would Anyone... the thing that's so tricky is that like peter jackson just seems like on a holding deal with warner brothers like he just seems yeah, like everything them but i also don't know how much he likes making movies anymore yeah has he become uh george lucas in a I way where he's of? more interested in producing projects and yeah technically overseeing things yeah i don't know if like if he's had when you when you make something like Star Wars or you make something like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, anything that follows that is kind of going to be held up to those standards. And if it's not a like huge success, then, you know, people aren't going to care. And that's kind of what has happened to Peter Jackson. I feel like he's I don't know if he's ever going to be able to do Lord of the Rings again. And so that would kind of discourage you, I guess. No. You're thinking of <laughs> Christina asked if he did the Percy Jackson. Well, 
I think you're just thinking of Peter Jackson. <laughs> that could be. Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson directed The Hobbit. But, you know, he did put his name on that Mortal, Mortal movie, Engines, yeah. Which was not, I don't think he directed it. No, but I think he was like a, that was like his. Um, this is my thing. What was that George Lucas yeah, pilot? Yeah, plane movie plane that we're all movie? trying to think of. Yes, that one. I know. That's what Mortal the, Engines was for Peter Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds, sounds about right. It's, it's embarrassing. He should feel bad. He doesn't. And, and we don't even remember his name. <laughs> Red, Red Tails. Oh, oh, simpatico. Oh, my God. How did we think of that at the exact same moment? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, Peter Jackson doing a Star Wars movie. Yeah, I, I do feel like Lucas and Jackson are in a situation where it's like everybody, they probably want to do a smaller movie. Yeah. Lucas always talked about that, wanting to go back to his indie roots. But you can't, nothing he do will be evaluated on that. No. In those terms anymore. Yep. Like Martin Scorsese makes big movies, but they're they're also they're not Lord of the Rings. No, he's maintained a, a relatively you know consistent scale in his career. But but even with he him, kind of make whatever he wants. Whenever he goes, because like then his big passion project was Silence. Uh, oh yeah. And even with him, like Silence was not a big hit, and it didn't do very well. And now. Like he doesn't do a whole lot anymore. Like he just did something with Netflix. Like you he's know, doing that once upon a time in Hollywood movie. No, that's Tarantino. What? Yeah, that's Tarantino. I'm going to Google this right now. You Google it right now. Okay. Tell me the director. Dang it. I already did tell you. <laughs> I know what you erroneously said. <laughs> Dang it, you're right. Uh, yeah, I know I'm right. I told you. <laughs> it's because it looks like a Tarantino movie. I mean, it looks like it's crazy. It does kind of look like it's and Scorsese. it has all the actors that he normally uses. Tarantino. I would be way more interested if it was Scorsese and not Tarantino. Yeah, I'm not interested in it anymore. I yeah, thought exactly. I was. Now I'm like, oh, I don't see a Tarantino. I don't care about Tarantino. Yeah. Um, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, it is hard for once you get a certain level of success, it's hard for you to go make something small again. And uh, that's our thoughts on the Empire fight strikes back fight. <laughs> focused, laser focused thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I think I know by deduction what your number one is. Well, I still haven't said my number two. Oh, that's my bad. So What's my number two is out of left field. It's the Obi-Wan Darth Maul fight in uh, Rebels. We're talking about it. That was my number four. Oh, that right. Sorry, that was your number four. Okay, yeah. yeah so uh, this fight is something else, something yeah. unlike any other fight in Star Wars, and it's completely incredible. I I believe I have said this in the. I actually don't know if I said this in the podcast before. I think this was on before we started podcasting, uh, because I remember texting Isaac about it. I did not like this episode. I thought it sucked. It made me angry. Uh, and now I feel the complete opposite about it. Yeah. I was really not into it. So what didn't you like? Were you wanting like a big fight between them or? No, that was it. It was interesting to me how they resolved the fight. But yeah. what I did not like was the fact that it was largely Ezra, you know, 
messing around in the desert and being yeah, a do any bird. And then it suddenly we're supposed to, I didn't like it because it seemed so much like, well, we need to do this fight because we never got to do it mm-hmm. in Clone Wars. So we're just going to shove it in this show. So that was my initial thought. And now watching it feels essential and it's a highlight. And I think it might've been you that really helped me to come along to the fact that the fact that Ezra is not important to the conflict is kind of what makes it good. Yeah. Why don't you talk about this? Well, uh, yeah, because I think we talked about it in our Rebels episode, but what I do love about it is that it, it almost feels like a departure from the rest of the show, which I can understand why you wouldn't like it at first, because like yeah. this is a show about the Rebels, and yet this episode is like barely about Ezra, and but the emotional core of this episode is about one character that hasn't been on the show and one character that has just been like a minor villain on the show. Uh, and they're the emotional core of this episode. But it, it plays to a greater point that no matter what we see on Rebels, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, what the Rebels do doesn't matter. Because who matters is Luke and who Obi-Wan is there to protect. That is Star Wars. Luke is Star Wars in, in right. this era. And Ezra still thinks that he, you know, obviously he's going, obviously the rebels do play an important part and Luke couldn't do things without the groundwork that they laid. But ultimately they are not the, the, the big heroes of Star Wars. That is Luke's job. And I like the, the focus in this episode shifts to that. Um, and all of these thoughts going through Obi-Wan's head and even through Maul's head, because after the fight is over, which, you know, there isn't a ton to talk about with the fight because there isn't a fight. They, right, yeah. they do it all in their heads and there are like three strikes and that's it. And you're out just like yeah. our fanfic episodes. Yep. You'll hear the sound effects here shortly. <laughs> strike, strike, and, strike. <laughs> and Maul is, is gone. And yet it's just like, this was such an inevit- inevitability and Maul had to do it, even though he didn't really want to. Like, he ends with going, like, is this, pretty much saying, is this kid you're protecting, is he the one? Is he the one? Because Maul wants Palpatine dead just as much as Obi-Wan does. And yeah. I just love that, like, Maul was so deep in uh, who he was and how he was raised to be and everything that's ingrained in him. He can't get out of this life even though maybe somewhere deep in there, there is a person who wants to see the right thing done. Uh, and it's just like the only ending he could have had. Perfect ending. Great fight. Great episode. Great show. Love it. Yeah. You're talking about this episode of our podcast, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And that our show is great. <laughs> our show is okay. great. Great That's episode. Great podcast. Yeah. Papa John's. Okay. Um, I, I agree. And, and, I was so skeptical of them doing this on the show uh, because I, my fear was, how are you going to top Duel of the Fates? You know, it's yeah. some would argue the best. I mean, it's it's the most some elaborate. Might argue in a minute. Yes, yeah, you might be hearing that argument soon. <laughs> uh, it's it's just such an iconic fight scene in all of cinema why are you going to try to 
top it. And the way that they topped it was by not doing anything remotely similar to it. Yeah, they topped go it by not topping it. Yeah, they topped it by just going back to what this I thought was very smart, going back to what originally inspired Star Wars, which is old samurai movie. Yep. And the language of those fights, which were all in the tension of the fight, both uh, you know, opponents kind of going over all the possibilities in their head and the fights lasting two seconds. And it's amazing because it is not a long incredible fight. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt about the last Jedi fight too. Like the Kylo Luke battle. It's so good because Kylo takes a couple of swings. Luke dodges it. And that's all he needs to do. It's over. Yep. Because he's the greatest Jedi in the world. He doesn't need to be <laughs> flipping around and, you know, going on lava platforming levels. Like he's, yeah. he's the best. He's got it all figured out. He doesn't even need to be there. Yeah. Once you get strong enough, you don't need to rely on those things. You're just like, I, you're just, you're just too powerful. Yeah. It's, well, I think what didn't necessarily work for me at the time was I was just so not impressed with what they did with Maul once they introduced him back in the show. Like, obviously, Twilight of the Apprentice, I think, is up there with the best Star Wars movies in terms of just a great hour of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and the way Maul is reintroduced is fantastic. It's exactly how I would want it to be done. Mm -hmm. Performance is, is wonderful by Sam Witwer. But then once they introduce me to the show, you know, it's just kind of him popping up like Inspector Gadget, uh, like Dr. What, what's Dr. Claw? It's just like kind Claw, of popping up at yeah. the end. Like, I'm like, he just kind of pops up a few times throughout that season. It's How's like, it going? Gonna be apprentice? My apprentice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're my apprentice. You're going to be my apprentice. So I'm going <laughs> to give you a couple visions. Bye. And yep. then he's dead. So overall, I didn't think it was great how that worked, and that's why I was initially not thrilled with it. But I think in the grand scheme of, of Star Wars and what that fight meant, it really is quite good. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Yeah, Good deal. That was your number two. That was my number two. All right. Well, I think we both know what our number ones are. But I think so. Yeah. So my number one is the Duel of the Fates, Phantom Menace. Yep. I... And we're going to talk about it because you had it on your lists. Yeah, or you, it, it, it was, but we got to talk about it anyway because, yeah. Yeah, um, it's no longer on your list. It's, so it is now it. off of my list, unfortunately, but it is at number wow. six on my list. Number six. I mean, yeah. hey, there's, what, nine movies now? So that's not bad. It's not bad. Um, I Yeah, it's still top ten. <laughs> I think uh, this is really – this fight's all about balance anyway. And this is kind of the perfect balance between everything you could possibly want in a lightsaber fight. Uh, it is, there is intense emotion involved. At first, it's just spectacle. And you're yeah. just like, wow, this is crazy. Um, and there is an assumption that the heroes are going to win. Uh, and then there's really strong emotion in Qui-Gon dying, more specifically seeing Obi-Wan's reaction to it. Mm-hmm how he reacts the genius of having these like little waiting rooms that they have to stay in <laughs> yeah like 
and just watch each other. Like I, I, the pacing of this fight is just unbelievable. It's the first time they let uh, Ewan McGregor do anything in the movie, pretty much. Like, yeah, up until this point, he's been like muted and reserved, and he doesn't really get to shine. And yet, finally, at the end here, he gets to like be a human and play to his strengths as an actor, uh, which is great. Yeah, like he. I think you see in this moment, like, oh yeah, he is really just a Padawan because, like, he immediately freaks out, becomes incredibly angry, clearly like uses his anger in the fight. Yeah, and it's brutal the way he just really relentlessly lets loose on on Maul. Uh, I've always really enjoyed the general uh, thematic elements of the Phantom Menace. I like that it kind of sets up the themes of Star Wars. And I like that this fight does that in terms of like the balance between light and dark happening literally throughout the fight, where at first it's balanced with, you know, two light side sabers and two red sabers and momentarily the dark side is is winning when Qui-Gon dies and then we want cuts the lightsaber in half and it's even again mm-hmm. it's it's a, just it feels like it's everything Star Wars needs to be right I agree and it's it's also um it's also great a, a great like set piece another key ingredient to a lightsaber yeah. fight is to have it happen in a cool visually cool place and, you know, people are like, oh, well, why, why is there this giant room with all these, these giant beams and stuff? And it's just like, well, you know what? At some point, you just have to go, who cares if there's like a giant energy room in this hangar on Naboo? Like, yeah, why does there be... need to be whatever the heck that room was in Empire? Right, exactly. It's a room with a cool window. Yeah, it's very visually similar to Empire. And it's just like, you know, I don't I don't care if it would make more sense that there was like an office building next to this. I don't want to see them fight in an office building. <laughs> well, the fates like in cubicles. <laughs> exactly. And it's just like I think for a lightsaber fight to stick in your mind and for it to be visually interesting, there has to be something going on around the fight. And this, I think, is is perfect with that when it comes to jumping up and down on all those levels with the giant energy beams and then like you said the little waiting rooms with the force fields and like it's just this is a great setting for a lightsaber fight yeah and kind of going back to the pacing of empire like it allows the fight to stop for a long time like empire does that too where there's a while where just Vader's looking for Luke and Luke's just like hiding and the rafters is going yeah, to do. Yeah, you need a little a breathing room for something like this. Yeah, and you don't get that like in Attack of the Clones, which is a favorite of mine, but I don't think the lightsaber fight is particularly good because it's just like kind of all or nothing. Yeah, once it starts, it doesn't stop until the movie's over pretty much. And you don't really know who this guy is. You don't know a lot about Dooku. You don't yeah. really have kind of attachment to him. So it's just, yeah, that's what makes this fight great. And, uh, yeah, let's go to your number one. My number one is Return of the Jedi. Uh, finally, we may speak of this film. Finally, we may speak of this. Um, it is not all those things I just said about needing a visually interesting location. This fight kind of takes place in an office space. <laughs> uh, there's nothing, like, super... I mean, you do have the cool shots of, like, the, the fight outside the window. What? 
Yeah, there's like the throne. Like the, the throne is cool. It is it is a cool setting, but like the setting in this fight is not why I love it, and the actual action itself is not why I love it. This yeah, is like the yeah. culmination of everything Luke and Vader have been doing in the previous movies, and to see all of that come to a head, and the ending, which is like the most outside of the last Jedi, it's the most Luke has ever been a Jedi is the ending of this fight where he stops fighting to me. That is just like, that is what the Jedi should be. Uh, and he does it again in the last Jedi, which is why I am baffled that people don't get that, that those two are the, the, the end of return of the Jedi and the end of the last Jedi are so very similar in their themes and in what Luke chooses to do that it's it's crazy to me that people say that movie is a betrayal of Luke um, because this is Luke Skywalker for me is this fight in Return of the Jedi where he loses control for a second and then he realizes what he's done. He looks at his robotic hand and sees the path that he is going to go down if he keeps doing this and he chooses to stop. And it's just it's just the emotional impact of this fight is what makes it the top fight in my, in my list. Yeah. The, the way the fight ends is that Luke chooses to stop fighting mm-hmm. and, uh, which is a very powerful thing. And again, very different from what you'd expect from a big blockbuster movie. Yeah. And I, I also think, you know, like rise of, Skywalker is going to inform a lot of what we think of the sequel trilogy because this whole thing with Anakin being redeemed was just, it was really not there until the last movie. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't have any, you couldn't look back and see that storyline until the end of right until the end of return of the Jedi. Yeah. Then you could look back and realize like oh, it's Anakin. That's, you know, blah, blah, blah. it's going to be interesting to see how they resolve with you know kylo and ray because i think that's going to retroactively make everything i guess either make sense or or not but yeah i feel like jj it's going to give it all context we're going to have the full context which we don't have at this moment yeah it's hard to say whether or not something is an unsatisfying resolution when it is not in fact the resolution (laughs) it hasn't been resolved yet (laughs) yeah that's i guess that's my main issue with issues people have with the last Jedi, they feel like, you know, it concluded all these things. It's like, well, it literally didn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, see how that concludes. So it is not, yeah. even though I think it is the perfect end for Luke Skywalker, it's not the end of Luke Skywalker. Like very obviously no, he's yeah. going to be in this movie and <laughs> maybe in the flesh, they might bring him back from the, who knows we know. what happens. Probably all the rises. Like, yeah. He rises from the grave. He's a zombie now. Who knows? Yeah, it's uh, the the Flash will have to electrocute a mother box the last second <laughs> to put him in that Kryptonian pool thing. Boy, I can't it's, wait. Yeah, that'll be really good. I just, boy, every episode we end, I'm like, I we need to see. This I need movie. to watch Star Wars again. I know you watch Star Wars. Star Wars is good. Well, Star Wars is good. I will say that. Yeah. I like that we're ending on a positive note. Star Wars is good because sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't. But this, I mean, how can you not end on a positive note when you're talking about lightsaber fights, which are so ingrained in Star Wars? Uh, they're they're literally the oxygen. <laughs> That's my Star Wars oxygen. 
a lightsaber. A lightsaber. Well, Put it on mute. Watch the lightsaber fights. We did it. We did it. We talked about lightsabers for a while. We said we would do it. You were asking for it. The fans were all begging for this episode. <laughs> Everyone was begging for it. It was not something we haphazardly thought about via text yesterday evening. No, it's not like we needed an episode 99 on short notice and no. thought, hey, what if we talk about lightsabers? We thought, finally, we'll save this for a, a really big episode. In all seriousness, I think I liked this discussion. I, this was a fun discussion. Sometimes it's nice. Sometimes, Jake, it's just nice to get yeah. down in the mud and just talk about Star Wars. Oh, like whatever that planet is, Mimban. Mimban, which you always have trouble remembering. Mimban. Mimban. Well, yeah, what a dumb name for a planet. <laughs> Do we have sucks. <laughs> Star Wars sucks. It's terrible. Name one good planet name. I can't, I can't do it. Coruscant's all right. Or if you're uh, Mark Thompson in the 90s, Coruscant. Coruscant. Yeah. Naboo. Naboo's Naboo there. or Naboo. It depends on how, like, who's saying it. Sometimes it's Naboo. Sometimes it's Naboo. Uh, Naboo. That's, I will say, that is a realistic thing about Star Wars, that people don't agree on how to pronounce things. That's true. Just yesterday, me and Christina were talking about the pronunciation of coyote versus coyote. Like some people say coyote. Yeah. Say they coyote. do around here. Around these parts to say coyote. Yeah. No, that's all. I've always loved that. I don't think that's why I love the Twi'lek versus Twi'lek thing and that there is not a clear answer because yeah. they said, I, I remember that from a Clone Wars panel once with Filoni. He said, we, we had it said both ways on the show because we didn't really want to pick a way. So some people on the show say Twi'lek, some people say yeah. Twi'lek. I just like that. It makes sense. That's what real life is like. That's why we did not, in my opinion, need an explanation for why Lando calls him Han. No, we he, didn't. A lot of times people just say names weird or wrong. Right. Which is exactly what happened when they told Billy D. Williams about Han Solo. He's like, Han Solo. And they're like, Han. It's like, Han, I know. Like, yeah, Han, just, that's, that's just the way he said it. <laughs> Yeah, oh boy. He's he's a blind. He doesn't know how to hear that letter. <laughs> and on that note, I'm glad we oh, ended yeah. on a positive note. Yeah. No, do we have anything else to say about lightsabers? They're cool. No, no, no definitely nothing else. Nothing else. Send us two hundred dollars so we can build one lightsaber and share it between the two of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Send us four hundred so we can each build one. Ideally. And so I guess we could both have our own. Be nice. Not share it. Um, no, okay, well, that's it, right? We each would have one in our closet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if I ever build my podcast room, I'll have a shelf that we can put my lightsaber on. I really thought you were going to say, if I ever build my pod racer. <laughs> oh, pod <laughs> racer room. Uh, Boy. Join us next week when we rank our favorite pod racers. Um, <laughs> that's like, not the worst idea ever. I like Team Topagallis. He's always been a good guy. Uh, <laughs> ben Quadrenero. I don't care what galaxy. Cool. <laughs> uh, all right that's it hey you know right. what i just found out last night what'd you find out the guy who plays uh, lord Celeborn in lord of the rings yeah his name is like martin Sokus or something like that he also does the voice uncredited the voice of poggle the lesser so there we Get go attitude. we brought it all back together lord of the rings Probably. and star wars that makes him poggle the greater poggle the greater yep well, this has been delicately curated, long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga, tailored to the modern fanatic, brought to you lovingly in weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your hosts, Riley 
and also Jake. Goodbye. Goodbye. Wish we had a fun joke to end on. Yeah, not really. <laughs> nope, don't jump. really really little thought into this <laughs> Ooh, same <laughs> we'll say up top that this is uh an emergency recording no no i don't want to give people an excuse not to love this episode <laughs> are we are we taking into account anything except movies i have something that's not in a movie okay i just wanted to make sure I think, uh, you know, canonical lightsaber. Canonical Disney canon stuff. Okay. That has been represented, like, visually. Right, 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 right. Okay, then that changes my list if we're not going film only. I think we should branch out. Hey, you know what? Let's make, like, a tree and branch out. (laughs) Leave (laughs) that pile alone. I don't know. I... (laughs) I think the the obvious thing that we're talking about is the fight from the Clone Wars where Stinky, you think he's in the backpack, but he's not. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking of.